Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. You know, I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. And now it's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, and ice cream. All the ice cream. <laughs> I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression and feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Now, we don't give medical advice because we're not doctors. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. Hey, you know, if you're coming to the VIP party, you're going to get some of Carrie's ice cream at Keto Fest. We share our recipes and any science that we find in the show notes. My favorite part is all those recipes. Oh, and I got one that's going to blow your mind tonight. So can't wait for that. Well, let's start podcast number 172. Dr. Adam Nally talks hormones and vegetables. And what a show we have for you. Yeah. But before we get started, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Right. That's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day, have a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and we get all our energy from fat. Fat? Fat. Yes. And if you're just starting, listen to our Starting Keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. It's all in there. So, Carrie, what's new with you? What have you been doing? It's been a couple of weeks since we've actually recorded a show. Well, what are two weeks it's been? I've uh, had a couple of requests for interviews about keto and mental health on some podcasts. So I'll let you all know when those come out. So that's always something that I love to do in the hopes that it will encourage or inspire or spread hope for anybody who's suffering from any kind of mental health issue. So that's something I love to do. But the really exciting thing is that last Christmas, I promised my patrons that in an effort to thank them and do something super fun for the way they have supported me in recipe development and cookbook writing and all of that, that I would do a random drawing and um, two of them would come and have a long weekend at my home with me in Connecticut. Wow, how cool. And that weekend was this weekend. So I have had two, I call them kitchen rock stars, from my patrons have been here this weekend, Tina Muheim and Julie Bycott. Julie flew up from California and Tina flew in from Pennsylvania. And let me tell you, us girls, we have had a blast. Lots of keto food at great restaurants around Connecticut. We've been to the beach. We've been looking at covered bridges. There's been some retail therapy. There's been a lot of keto ice cream. I made all their favorite (laughs) flavors for them before they came. Nice. We've just, we've had a super, super time. We've been drinking coffee on my deck in the sunshine and just hanging out and, and talking about life, the universe and everything. And we've had I'm absolutely exhausted. They, right. they've they been here for – this is day four. Uh, wow. Tina had to fly back today. Julie will be flying back tomorrow night. So wow. we've had an epic Kitchen Rockstar weekend here in Connecticut, and that's been super, super fun. That sounds amazingly fun. It was. So what have you been up to, Mr. Franklin? Top that. Uh, I can't top that, but I can tell you something, that the bazoodle machine – was up and running last week. Yay! And 
it spat out tons and tons and tons of bazoodles and they're perfect. This thing works, people. It works. So I'm kind of jealous because although I was able to come and help you with the unboxing and we yeah. did that over at RD86 Space in New London right. and we posted a video of us doing that in the Two Keto Dudes Gold group. Yep. Um, I did not get to be there when you did the first trial run of the bazoodles, but I did watch all your videos of this glorious stream <laughs> of keto noodleness coming off the machine. It's pretty outrageous. So I can I, I can only imagine how exciting that was for you when that first batch came off and they were just as perfect as you'd imagine that they would Well, be. you know, this July and Keto Fest weekend is going to be the 50th anniversary of the moonwalk. And that's kind of what it feels like for me, like walking on the moon. Like you do all the math, you know, you, you, it looks like you, you do the math, it works on paper, but you don't know until you actually, you know, put it to the test if this thing is going to make anything that's worth eating. And it turned out it's perfect. That's fantastic. I'm super excited. And I'm, uh, Carl mentioned earlier that we, I was going to be making keto ice cream for the VIP party. Well, rumor has it that you, Mr. Franklin, are going to be making a whole bunch of bazoodles for the VIP party. Yeah, you got that right. And, you know, since they freeze and they refrigerate, I'm going to get started making them pretty much right away and just put them, put them away in the freezer. They'll be just fine. Because Keto Fest is just around the corner. Mm, yeah. And if you haven't got your tickets yet, go to ketofest.com. We still have some VIP tickets available, believe it or not. You, and that's a party that you don't want to miss. So speaking of bazoodles, and you know, if this is the first time you've heard it, just go to bazoodles.com, B-Z-O-O-D-L-E-S.com. It's a low-carb, gluten-free noodle that I invented and um, got it, got some help tweaking it from some friends, but pretty much I had the spark of the idea and uh, just kind of turned into a product. So I've been working on recipes for the Bazoodle cookbook, which will be out in July, and you can order that from bazoodles.com too. Um, and this this recipe is the f that I'm going to share today is one of the recipes that's going in the cookbook. So it's been a bazoodly kind of week and Absolutely. a cookbook kind of week. Is there anything else you've been up to? Uh, well, yeah. As a matter of fact, down to. I lost five pounds this week just Ooh. taking my own advice. And what I'm doing is I'm leveraging some sardines in the early afternoon, like two o'clock. And then about an hour or two later, I have a ribeye and I just eat to my heart's content as much as I want. And then I stop. And everything else after that is just seltzer water. Sardines are so awesome. Any of you who have been too frightened to, to try sardines, if you're new to them, I really encourage you to try them because you might love them and they're incredibly nutritious. That's it. They're very nutritionally dense and very much ancestral. You know, sardines have been around for millions of years or hundreds of thousands of years anyway. I don't know how long they've been around, but a lot longer than we have. <laughs> So you've that. had a very, we've both had a very exciting week. Yeah, very exciting weeks. Absolutely. Well, let's do something exciting for one of our members. Yeah, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.2keto.com. So who is the winner this week, Carl? Today's winner is Suzette Dupree. Well done, Suzette. Yeah. Suzette just won a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.twoketo.com. All right. And now it's time for Carrie to hoot and holler with me. It's time for... Man, that was hot on my throat. <laughs> okay, well, you know I'm not going to be hooting and hollering with you, but let's hear the letter that you got this week. All right. So this is from the Ketogenic Forums, and it's in Show Me the Science slash Resources. And I'm going to say that the, the point of bringing up this post is not 
what they're talking about because some of the people that are quoted are calories in, calories out people, whatever, you know, I, that's not why I'm uh, bringing this up. It's simply a trivia question. And I thought it was a great question to bring up to everybody else. So when somebody loses weight, where does the fat go? And this question was posed to a sample of doctors, dietitians, and personal trainers. And you would be surprised. The number one answer coming in at over 60% is energy slash heat. Most people think that when you lose weight, the fat goes through your skin as heat or energy. Okay. Then a significant number, maybe 30%, said other, and this is mostly family doctors. The rest of them are very, very small. In fact, one of the smallest is CO2, carbon dioxide. You exhale it. It's probably, in fact, it was only dietitians, and maybe even, I'm going to say 7%, 8% said that, when in fact that is the right answer, CO2. Essentially, as fat gets metabolized, you breathe the vapor out. That is where it goes. Wow. An interesting trivia question you can bring up around the dinner table to get everybody thinking about food metabolism. There you go. Yeah. The topic kind of devolves into a shouting match. So, again, uh, I just love that question. And I love the fact that most people don't understand it. CO2. You, you learn something new every day. Absolutely. So that's the mail. Well, Carrie, I'm very excited to have Dr. Adam Nally on our show. You are not as excited as I am. All right. Well, let's bring him on here. Welcome, Doc Muscles. Hello. How are you, Carl and Carrie? It's good to see you. Or I, I should say hear you. I'm not actually seeing you. Yeah. Hey, hey Dr. Nally. It's, um, it was an absolute joy to meet you. It's been... I feel like we must have crossed paths a million times, but never actually met. And I have to say, you are just super happy, always smiling and totally charming. <laughs> you are very kind. Well, well, you both are uh, some of my heroes that I've listened to multiple times and and seen and heard. Uh, and so it's it was actually really exciting to be able to uh, spend some time with both of you. Your podcast with Jimmy was the very first podcast that I listened to about the ketogenic diet. And actually made me, uh, gave me the confidence to go ahead with it. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Very much so. Uh, back in 2016 when I had just started it. And Richard, of course, was my mentor. But, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, my brain to be constantly thinking about it. And that's why the podcasts were so great. Because I could just stay focused all the time. Oh, yeah. 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 And I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite things in the whole world. Women? We are. <laughs> <laughs> Estrogen? We are. No, lettuce. Oh, lettuce. lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit food. All right, cool. Yeah, you know, what food eats. <laughs> I, I'm, a bi I'm a big, big fan of lettuce. <laughs> Yes, the food my uh, cow and my pig eat. Yes, exactly. And, and now um, Dr. Nell is going to going to tell you all why <laughs> this was a conversation that i overheard you guys talking about uh, in salt lake city and we carrie thought you know we really ought to talk about this on the show i think that well because right. everyone who was in earshot of that conversation like the eyes were like, flying open and what? the jaws were dropping and they're all like wait what so everybody needs I to hear that, this yes so what is the central uh statement that everybody was completely agog about well uh, carrie you're the one that saw their eyes bu bug out so because I, I see people's people's eyes bug out when i'm around talking about the stuff anyway so uh, <laughs> it was that i it was probably the hormone piece but i don't know it was there something specific that you saw or heard yeah it was the hormone thing when you talked about how leafy greens soak up excess estrogen aha uh -huh. So one of, I guess one of the things that, and this is, I guess this is what we were talking about. Um, one of the things that I have found I, in my practice over the last, I've been in practice about 20 years and I've been doing low carb ketogenic diets for about 15. And one of the big struggles I found with people who hit weight loss stalls, um, was the, was the sex hormone 
component of it. And so I've over the last few years, one of the things that I've been heavily focusing on is trying to understand how do the sex hormones play a role with insulin resistance and overall weight gain or weight loss. Mm. And a significant percentage of the women that I meet and the men that I meet um, who are insulin resistant are also estrogen dominant. Um, and what that means is not so much that they're overproducing estrogen, but they, which they may be, uh, or, but that their progesterone may be too low. So, so there's a ratio that's actually important. Your, your progesterone estrogen ratio is actually really important. And that ratio, if it's off, um, will actually cause uh, weight gain or weight loss. It's interesting because within the fat cell and many cells of the body, especially the brain, there's an estrogen alpha and an estrogen beta receptor. And the estrogen alpha stimulates weight gain and the estrogen beta stimulates weight maintenance or weight loss. And if you're, if your estrogen loads are too high or too low, depending on what insulin may be doing to that, it drives increased hunger or weight stability. And so it's one of those many hormones that plays a big role uh, in that milieu of hormones stimulating us to either want to eat more or eat less. Um, I noticed a large percentage of the women who were estrogen dominant also would often say to me, I just crave salads. That's I just crave these the leafy greens and they crave them all the time. And so as the carnivore, carnivore movement has kind of moved forward, which I, I'm a fan of the carnivore movement. I, I like doing it and I, and I, I'm, I'm not truly carnivore myself, but I, but I am close. Um, but I, I'm also estrogen dominant. And so I've, what I found was that in those patients who either have excessive estrogens and, and or low progesterone, um, because what the, the leafy green has a couple horm, a couple chemicals, IC3 and DIM, which are, are two of them that actually stabilize the, um, esterification of estrogen, estrogen and convert it into a good form of an estrogen byproduct. Um, the bad form drives uh, breast cancers and cancer formation where the good form doesn't. And it's that methylation process, um, which we, I, we may get to that too today. I don't know. But, um, but that, that process um, allows the estrogen to be converted correctly. And then the estrogen is dumped into the bile. And part of the leafy green in the, and that's part of that cellulose ha- actually helps to bind that estrogen so it's not reabsorbed through the biliary process when it's excreted. Because if you don't have enough of the cellulose as fiber moving through the system, if you're estrogen dominant, you'll just reabsorb that estrogen uh, byproduct and you'll, you'll regenerate more estrogen from it. And so I, those women that, uh, so I've had some patients that did carnivore and actually felt worse. And, and those were people that I suspect were, were, and I knew, I know they were because I tested them. Um, they were estrogen dominant. And that's kind of the, the roundabout 30,000 foot view of what we were talking about. Right. And that's why it was so exciting to me because, and, and people, if you've been listening for the last few months, every time we have a carnivore on the show, I'm always asking the same question, which is like, why don't I feel fabulous on carnivore? Why do I feel better when I eat some level of vegetation, particularly leafy greens? And why do I just love lettuce? Like, what is that about? And no one's ever been able to answer my question and then I met you <laughs> and you were just like well duh like well, duh. <laughs> and it just so happens that so my uh, apart from you know I have MTHFR thing going on but I also have an issue with my COMT gene which means that I'm an estrogen sponge so of course when you said that I was just like oh my goodness that's it I'm an estrogen sponge and it makes perfect sense that the reason I love leafy greens so much and why I feel better when I eat them is because it's ferrying, it's shuttling all of that excess estrogen out of me, which is why I feel better. So you are my hero. <laughs> so does this mean that if you want to go carnivore and you're estrogen dominant, you should do what? Can you play with the hormone levels there to sort of ameliorate that? You can. And, and, and there's some, there's some interesting argument in the, in the literature and among the carnivore world and among the, um, the vegetarian vegan world as well. Um, that, um, you know, it came out a while back saying, you know, you shouldn't have, to, uh, you, you need to eat a bunch of uh, cruciferous vegetables so you prevent cancer. And this is where the antioxidant component comes into play. And it's this, um, it's, it's this mantra of you've got to eat a ton of broccoli and a ton of Brussels sprouts right. in order to stop your breast cancer. And, and that's actually not true. Um, it, it's really not a large amount. It's a, it's a small amount. So it doesn't have to be huge. Um, and, and I've been telling people for years, you know, if you did a small leafy green salad once a day or every other day, or you did a, 
Um, you, know, you, re- you wrap your, le- your burger in lettuce with a couple leaves of lettuce. And it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, kale. Um, we don't have to, you know, mm. all the kale people are going to roll over and, and send me hate mail now. But it's uh, it just iceberg lettuce or some spinach or even, you know, once in a while you have some, a little bit of Brussels sprout. A small amount is really all you need. And that's what most of my patients tell me is that they say, if I just have a small salad, I actually feel better. Um, my wife is one of them as well. That, and so I, I couldn't truly understand what it was until I started. I actually started kind of from the back door because I see so much neuropathy in my clinic with my diabetics and mm. this numbness and tingling and burning in their feet. Mm. And that's part of this process is that if you have an MTHFR deficiency and you're not uh, converting your um, your your um, vitamin, your folic acid into the methylated form, you're going to have a problem in this process. The COMT that was mentioned is, an, is one of the enzymes that actually helps to, to convert that further through the process so that it, your estrogen is converted into a non-toxic form instead of a toxic form. There's there's two forms of estrogen. Actually, there's three forms of byproducts. There's a, a, a 2-hydroxy, a 4-hydroxy, and a 16-hydroxy that the estrogen converts into. And it's the 2-hydroxy that we want because that's protective, where the other two are not so protective. And if you don't methylate correctly or your COMT enzyme isn't working correctly, um, or you just don't have enough of the IC3 production because you are estrogen dominant, you have an increased potential to have these these byproducts increase um, inappropriately, and and so there's no magic number that I've found yet. But what I find is that for those that said, "Hey, I tried carnivore and I don't feel good," I tell them just add a small amount of leafy green back in because you're probably one that needs it, and then I'm one that I'll check their 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 um, uh, you know their their enzyme pathways to see you know is there one of these that you're deficient in, and how can we modulate that. So what about just taking the the chemicals themselves in a supplement form? Would that also work? You can do that, but as 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 uh, science has uh, told us, and I've seen for years, it's, for whatever reason, um, it, it, it always seems to work better when it comes from natural vegetables right. or natural natural food. So, and I bet you lettuce is cheaper. Yeah, well, it, it's a whole lot cheaper, and I can grow it in my backyard, you know. And so it, it's that's the that's the cool thing is. You know, uh, you, I can. Uh, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that likes to live off the grid as much as possible uh, where I can. And so mm-hmm. my chickens make the eggs, and I, I eat the cows, and I, I grow the lettuce. And so I can kind of kind of have my own little uh, uh, grocery store in my backyard. So what did that have to do with um, patients who stall weight loss wise? So the issue with stalling is um, I, I kind of have a stepwise process that I approach weight loss stall with. Um, step number one is if, if they're not truly ketogenic, you can't fix anything. So you've got to bring the insulin levels down. Um, if your insulin levels are staying high for, for whatever reason, no matter what we do to your hormones, thyroid or estrogens or testosterone, it's, it's not going to work. It never has. And I've never seen success with it. So step number one is getting the making sure you're truly ketogenic, that you're lowering your insulin load enough that you're not over producing insulin and, and not stimulating uptake of triglycerides and cholesterol into the fat cell at a higher rate than you're expending it. Second step is to then balance the thyroid and the mitochondria. Well, one of the interesting factors is that mitochondrial dysfunction, and, and I, I suspect a, a, a percentage of those with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome have mitochondrial dysfunction, and, and, it's, and it's a breakdown in one of probably five different methylation or um, sulfon or sulfation pathways in that mitochondria. All this process that we've been talking about with these conversion of uh, folic acid to meth- the methylated form or the, the conversion of estrogen is, is occurring with a mitochondria that's fully functional. And if, you're th- and if your thyroid gland and the mitochondria aren't working correctly, you'll see the weightless stall every time. And so part of tuning up the thyroid and the mitochondria is ensuring that those enzymes are working correctly. And then lastly, we know that testosterone and estrogen play a huge role in your ability to, and I call it the back door of the fat cell. There's five back doors to the fat cell that fat can exit. And and one of those is driven by an efficient um, testosterone production. And the other one is is driven by efficient thyroid production, which is influenced by estrogen receptors and the presence of excess estrogen. So if you are estrogen dominant, you're essentially shutting two of the back doors through the thyroid and testosterone and making it harder to lose weight and more likely to stall, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure does. Um, I noticed that when I first went to Dr. Barry, he did all these tests, and thyroid was fine, but my testosterone was low. So he gave me a 
the man gel. The man gel. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask about that. It's just that. a gel. You just rub it on your chest. It's no big deal. He said, keep this away from women and children because it's powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. The last thing you want is your your, your wife or your girlfriend to grow a beard. That, that, grow a uh, beard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that slows keep, them down socially. I keep so. telling everybody. Cats are so much easier than spouses and children. <laughs> you know what? My cat actually wakes me up at two o'clock in the morning every because she comes over and sticks her head underneath my hand and wants to get get her her ears tickled at two a.m. And so she is not easy. <laughs> I love cats, especially with a nice brown sauce. No, I'm totally <laughs> totally kidding. I don't eat cats. Oh. oh dear not anymore I'm, I'm assuming they taste like chicken right <laughs> everything as everything does right so basically if you're if you're gone carnivore and you just feel like crap and you feel like you need to have a salad like richard said the same thing he missed vegetables just to you know i guess you're not going to be completely carnivore well and i and i'm one of those guys that i i i've tried i've tried just doing pure meat but i feel kind of sluggish and i don't hmm. feel the way I, I normally ought to feel and if i just add a small amount of leafy green just a bit um it, and it's not a, it's not a lot it's just a small amount i feel fantastic hmm. and so uh, and you know and, and you're able to and with men if your estrogen levels are rising your testosterone is falling so most men who have hypogonadism or lower testosterone more than likely have a an abnormal progesterone to estrogen ratio so they're often estrogen dominant and often with guys just a small amount of leafy green does help a little bit and that's what i'm seeing clinically now there's the f- problem is there's no great scientific study and double blind placebo controlled sure. test with 500,000 people that, that shows this and i'm just this is just coming from my clinical anecdotal um you know experience but um but it's what i'm seeing and so i, I so when i started talking to carrie about it um I, all these eyes started bugging out of people's heads and uh so if you're a man and you're estrogen dominant would adding testosterone be uh, an option to bring those back into balance? It, it actually does. As a male, um, what we know is that testosterone supplementation actually does help to shift that um, conversion of estrogen. Hmm. Um, but if you don't, the, the key is you have to truly need it. If you don't need testosterone and we dose it you, um, we can cause some pretty significant problems. Um, and there's some issues with fertility. If you're in the age, of, if you're a, a young fertile male who may want to have children later, you, you've got to have some some deep conversations with your doc about, you know, um, the potential for infertility if you don't uh, appropriately use that testosterone correctly. So there's some things you want to be very wary of in that regard. But um, but if you need the testosterone, um, I have a number of uh, men in my practice that no, even though we've balanced everything else out and they're eating a truly ketogenic diet appropriately, mm. we still have to supplement testosterone with them. And I've got women that we need to supplement progesterone in order to, to fix the estrogen dominance uh, on their side. So as is always the case, while Adam Nally is a doctor, he's not your doctor. So <laughs> all, <laughs> exactly. all of this advice and, and and all of this learning, if you apply it to yourself, you would be wise to, you know, connect with your doctor as well and make sure that you're not inadvertently messing up one process in fixing another one, if that made sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, this is it's this is educational material, you know, and it, it's not it's not Dr. Downey's advice to you to go do it. It, it. My suggestion is see your doc and have them check these levels, have them check out the hormone components and, and determine if you if you need something. And, and if your doctor doesn't know how to do it, then find somebody that does um, and, uh, and and work with them and, and getting, you know, treated appropriately. Is there some some test names that that you could give mm. uh, listeners so that they know what to ask for? That's a perfect question. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, there are. You know, number one is is like I said with uh, earlier, insulin levels are important. So check your fasting insulin level. Um, if your fasting insulin level insulin level is above five, in my perspective, then you're probably going to have some adverse. Um, effects with the thyroid and with the sex hormones. So then with the thyroid, I usually will check TSH and thyroid panel, which most doctors will check, but I also check free T3 right. and I check a reverse T3, right. which are t- the two hormones we talked about at, in the Salt Lake conference. Um, and because those those tell me how is your body converting the T4 hormone made by the thyroid gland to T3 that acts like the gas pedal in the cell. And higher insulin level suppresses the diiodinase uh, type 2 enzyme that does that conversion. So, so you can be hypothyroid 
and still have a normal TSH if you're insulin resistant, and that can slow down that meta- metabolic process and inhibit your ability to lose weight. So, so that that thyroid, those thyroid tests are important. And then lastly, um, w- as a baseline, I will usually check progesterone in both men and women. I will check total and free testosterone in men and women, and I will check um, estradiol and estrone. There are actually three estrogens. Um, we check uh, estrogen one and estrogen two, and those are the two that we know pl- have the biggest play the biggest role in regards to cycles and also in regards to these byproducts that can, that are produced that have inhibitory effects on weight loss. Mm-hmm. So those are the two hormones in from the perspective of estrogen. I check them in both men and women. And there are ranges that we're going to want to hit with those um, and and ensure that those are those are working correctly. Um, in, in all those cases, if your insulin hasn't been corrected, correcting the, the sex hormones usually is ineffective. So you've got to fix that first and then fix the thyroid second, and then fix the sex hormones third. So another question, I hear a lot, or in the Facebook groups and other places, a lot of menopausal women find that everything goes well with weight loss until they become menopausal, and then it all goes to hell in a handbasket. What's the pathway (laughs) whereby that, like, and how do we help them? Like what? What's what changes? I'm guessing that it's something to do with all these sex hormones. What changes? And is there anything that that our lovely menopausal women listeners can do to help offset whatever it is that's making weight loss so difficult once they reach that stage? Oh, absolutely. Good, great question. Um, most of the it's interesting to remember that that most of our patients who are menopausal estrogens and testosterones are 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 bound to fat and they're stored in fat and so as you start mobilizing these fat cells and then all of a sudden you have this shift in the production of hormone by your ovary because you're shifting into perimenopause or menopause itself um there's this sudden flux up or down with progesterone and estrogen levels and so what they were doing so well with before all of a sudden now changes dramatically as the as the horm- the, the the ovaries start to pitter out and diminish in their production of 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 progesterone estrogens and testosterones and what ends up happening is because they become um, either estrogen deficient or they become estrogen dominant and then either can happen um, I see it in in my patients over sixty five over fifty five all the time. Um, they, they will actually see notable changes. Um, if you're estrogen dominant, you're usually going to see um, that app, that pear-shaped type um, mm. uh, effect on a female. The, the weight gain will start to hit the hips, and that's and and they can't get it off. Um, they'll also see some abdominal girth start to arise, especially if if uh, they're estrogen dominant as well. Um, they're going to see increased fatigue, and their libido is going to tank out, and they're going to. Um, you may even see. You know some of the the changes that arise with um, hair growth and things like that mm. with that estrogen dominance. The challenge is that estrogen dominance can look a lot like progesterone deficiency, and um, so the only way to truly know is to actually test the hormones. And so you could assume that you're estrogen dominant, but you could also be progesterone deficient. And there's some very subtle changes between the two, and you want to be able to identify that. So the most important thing is to get your hormones tested. Yeah. And if your doctor doesn't, uh, I get well, one of the questions I would ask is ask your doctor, can you check my estrogen? And if the doctor checks just a total estrogen count, um, that doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. So you need to find a doctor that understands there are actually three different forms of estrogen and which ones he needs, he or she needs to be checking. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of an indicator to know if you've got a doctor that understands those hormones. I heard that there's a big difference between uh, abdominal fat and butt fat and that the butt fat might actually be healthier healthier to have on you oh yeah it's a good question the um the the fat around the hips or the waist is actually more white fat where the fat around the belly or the abdomen is more brown fat and the interesting thing is is that the brown fat seems to hold um more estrogen and a few other inflammatory hormones more predominantly so what ends up occurring is that if you have larger or sicker fat cells in the brown fat or the visceral fat, which is around the organs of the belly and the abdomen, mm-hmm. you actually increase your risk for cancers and for damage to the lining of the arteries called the endothelium, increased risk for heart disease and stroke more, more predominantly. And so um, it, the studies that are out there basically show that one one body type 
uh, of fat storage has a higher risk of of, of uh, overall mortality and disease because of the way those hormones are being stored and handled and used uh, to, to make a very complex subject uh, simplified, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. So we don't want abdominal fat. I guess that's what we're saying. And that seems to be the, the fat that goes away first when you put somebody on a ketogenic diet, isn't it? Well, actually, the, the brown fat seems to disappear first. Um, the, there, there is brown, I'm sorry, the white fat disappears first. The brown fat is, is the remainder part that, that's the hardest to get rid of. And there is brown fat on the hips and the abdomen. But that's usually why most people that come to me say, you know, my legs are shrinking and my face is getting better. And I, my, I lost weight around my arms. And my, they'll even say my breast shrank, but my belly just isn't going away. And that's, mm-hmm. the, that's that brown fat that's the hardest to get rid of. It takes the, okay. takes the most effort to pull it out. Is there anything else that we could uh, throw in here while we're on the subject of hormones and menopause? And so, I I just want to know what what do the girls do? What 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 do the what do the girls do to to break menopausal stalls? So with with the women, usually what I like I said I I would want to check the hormones number one. You know, see if that see if you're progesterone deficient or if you're estrogen dominant, check your testosterone levels. I have some women that truly need testosterone because they don't make any and, and giving them testosterone plays a big role as well in some cases. Um, it, it, if you are estrogen dominant, then one of the things we find in addition to, you know, a small amount of some leafy green periodically or the cruciferous vegetable um, is actually increasing the omega-3 fatty acids um, using berberine and, and rosemary, rosemary, rosemary actually has a, an effect on the mitochondria that stabilizes it. Um, the herb rosemary, you know, the herb rosemary. Yeah. So as you, uh, as you do your butt rub on your, your big brisket, sprinkle a little <laughs> rosemary on there and that plays a role in actually helping your, your mitochondria and your thyroid. Excuse me, but what part of my body is the brisket exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm um yeah there's been a lot of butts and rubbing going on in this show. <laughs> You're talking to Dr. Nally. I uh, smoke butts all the time. So yeah. this is <laughs> this is uh you know bacon makes your pants fall off and we we rub our butts with great rosemary is what we do at our house. So it's right. uh <laughs> Yep, I apply um, rosemary to my butts all the time. <laughs> Uh, it does it plays a role? And, you know, vitamin D is is important, making sure that's stabilized. And then the last two is, um, you know, exercise uh, does help lower uh, estrogen uh, dominance and hmm. uh, decreasing alcohol and decrease and stop smoking. Those those also in, is, you know, alcohol and smoking actually increase uh, your estrogen dominance. So so wow. getting rid of the alcohol and backing off the cigarettes. So what kind of exercise specific, because I'm, I'm learning that there's different exercises would be suitable for different things. So are we talking cardio? Are we talking lifting heavy things? Is there a specific type of exercise that's better suited to helping reduce estrogen or does it all work? Well, what I tell people is this, I want you to do the exercise that you're going to do. So, um, I I hate running, I, I, but I love to lift weights. My wife loves to run. She hates to lift weights. And so the challenge is I tell people do exactly what you're going to do because you like doing it and you're more likely to do it again. So for me, I, weightlifting is, is huge because I enjoy it. Now, there are studies that show that resistance type exercise, whether that's weights or yoga or Pilates or um Whatever type of resistance exercise you do actually does decrease the insulin resistance and increases insulin sensitivity at the muscle level, notably faster and more efficiently than cardiovascular or cardio exercise does. But if you, if, but if you're like my wife and you're a runner, then my suggestions run because you're more likely to do that, um, over weights. Now, for me, my, my goal as I've gotten older, uh, as we've talked about, you know, butt rubs and, and briskets is that I loved, I love hunting. And so, um, I know that if I have to be in shape to drag an elk or a deer out of the woods, I have to be able to drag that, you know, 900 pound animal out of the woods and I've got to hike in there. And so any activity that's going to make me a better hiker, runner, and some way to drag an elk out of the woods after I shoot it with a bow, um, is, is what's going to help me. And so, so whatever exercise you're willing to do, is actually going to be beneficial for the estrogen. So anything's better than nothing, but resistance is possibly the best of all. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, very good. So yeah. what's next for you, man? What's on your agenda, your to-do list? For, for today, you mean? or No, no, in general. What's, what's the next big thing coming out of Adam, Adam Nally's world? 
out of well, I'm I I am trying to um, be effective at, at posting at least a video a week on my YouTube channel for people. I actually have found that. Um, as I've done this, um, one of the things that brings me joy is just putting up a good video that helps people, you know, go through this process a lot more effectively. So I've started doing that. Um, and, and so at least once I, I try to at least once a week pop a new video onto my YouTube channel. Mm. Um, I, I think my next big speaking engagement, I'm the department of, um, public health in Mississippi asked me to come talk about, um, weight loss and, uh, hormones like testosterone and progesterone and estrogen in October. So I'm going to be in. Um, in Mississippi in October speaking there. Everyone's going to want to do your lettuce talk now. Yeah. Once you've been on, on here, everyone, they're all just going <laughs> to sure want you to will. talk about lettuce. <laughs> oh, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail from all the carnivores and the other. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, no, but, it, but it's, it's I, I find that there, there, is a, there's a, there is a balance and, 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 you know, I've applied ketogenic diets for years with a lot of people and it, it really truly, as we look at the hormones closer, um, it's not one size fits all. It's a, it's a slight modification of that of that that approach that I think seems to work really well for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Doc. It's been a pleasure talking to you. No, thank you. Oh, you bet. All right, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the rebound. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. So I'm curious as to what did people think when they saw the title of the show, Hormones and Vegetables. <laughs> because the two are related, right? As we just learned. <laughs> this is going to go down as one of my favorite ever episodes. Yeah, because that was... it was the episode where I get permission to eat all the lettuce I'm craving <laughs> without criticism. That's right. No tisk tisk from here. Uh, and speaking of things to eat, Carrie, it's time for you to give us a recipe. Given that we just talked about the virtues of leafy greens for some of us especially, mm. I decided that this week I was going to do a leafy green recipe. So I give you hot bacon and cabbage slaw. Ooh. Super easy, super fast, super delicious, hot, also super delicious, cold. So you can make it and, and eat it when you make it or save it and take it for lunch or um, have it at any time or reheat it. It's, it's delicious either way. Hmm. This was a big fan favorite when I was working on recipes for the Keto Sides and Salads cookbook, which is not yet published, but coming soon. Okay. And this was a big fan favorite. So hot bacon and cabbage slaw what you're going to need is two slices of bacon finely chopped. You're going to need five ounces or 140 grams of onion finely chopped. Stick to the white or yellow as opposed to the red or sweet because you have less carbs. 10 ounces or 280 grams of shredded cabbage. If you don't have the time or inclination, you can buy a shredded cabbage ready shredded from places like Trader Joe's and other grocery stores, which makes this super fast. You're going to need a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, a quarter of a teaspoon of celery seed, not celery salt, but celery seed, a quarter of a teaspoon of your Redmond real salt, uh, one ounce or 30 grams of xylitol or erythritol or one and a half ounces of allulose, depending on which of those sweeteners you prefer. And it's a simple three-step recipe. In a large pan, you're going to saute the bacon and onion over a medium heat for about five minutes. You don't need to add any extra fat because the rendered fat from the bacon will be enough for the onions. But of course, if you want to, Toss in a tablespoon of avocado or coconut oil, feel free. So saute those for about five minutes until the bacon is lightly browned and the onion is just starting to soften. Then add the shredded cabbage to the pan, stir well and cook, stirring frequently for about five minutes until the cabbage is crisp tender. Mm. So not, not soggy, but not crunchy, kind right. of somewhere in the middle. A little toothsome, but not too much. Right. 
And then you're just going to add the vinegar, the celery seed, the sea salt, and the sweetener. You're going to stir well and cook for one more minute. And then you're going to tip it into a dish or onto your plate alongside the protein of your choice and um, chow down on that. Yeah. And as I said earlier, also super good cold the next day. So you can take that. Uh, with with lunch, with another protein for lunch, or simply reheat it the next day for another side to go with your main meal. That sounds so delicious. I want it, it now. It really is. It's incredibly simple, <laughs> but it's incredibly tasty. And it's as satisfying. I say, it was a big fan favorite with the, the recipe testers uh, for the sides cookbook. Great. That's awesome. Well, I actually, like I said in the introduction, I want to share a recipe today. And this is coming right out of the Bazoodle cookbook. This is the first recipe I've shared from that. And I, I wanted to highlight this one because, you know, you might think that a, a noodle cookbook, it's all going to be Italian dishes and pasta and lasagnas and stuff. And that's not true. This is Hungarian goulash. And uh, it's served over noodles, but it doesn't have, you don't have to have noodles or bazoodles or or anything to, to enjoy this. If you enjoy chilies or, you know, meat sauces and that kind of stuff, that's essentially what it is. So Wikipedia says goulash is a stew of meat and veggies, usually seasoned with paprika and other spices. Originating from medieval Hungary, goulash is a popular meal predominantly eaten in Central Europe, but also in other parts of Europe. It is one of the national dishes of Hungary and a symbol of the country. So, uh, of course, before I went keto, I used to eat goulash a lot. And it's usually served over noodles, like I said, but they sometimes put potatoes into the goulash itself, and it always comes with a side of bread and butter. So naturally, I hadn't had it until I served up this recipe until I figured this one out. I'm excited. Goulash for me is just, even the name just come, conjures up warm and comforting. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. Uh, so this is a basic goulash recipe. Uh, I didn't steal anybody's recipe. I basically read a whole bunch of recipes and got the recipe that I made before, but I sort of modified it to be more low carb and I um, and su subsequently more delicious. It's, it's just more delicious. You'll see when you hear the list of ingredients how delicious this is. All right, let's hear it. So if you want to use bazoodles and you have the bazoodle uh, recipe, you make two batches, all right? So you know how much that is. That essentially serves eight people. And this makes eight servings, 15 minutes of prep, 45 minutes of cooking, no problem. You're going to want to chop four strips of bacon, and I mean raw bacon, because we're going to render that fat out. You want a tablespoon of olive oil. You want six tablespoons of butter. You want three pounds of ribeye steak cut into bite-sized cubes, fat and all, kids. Yeah, ribeye. Yeah. Now, um, traditionally, goulash is made with onions, sautéed onions, but I didn't want all the carbs, especially because we're going to be using tomato paste. So I substituted fennel. So get two bulbs of fennel, and you can, if you have a mandolin and you know how to do, use that, like Richard Morris does, go right ahead and use that. Otherwise, take a really sharp knife and slice them thin, turn it into thin shavings. I love fennel. Fennel's fabulous. Yes, it is. And what's great is that it's very mild when it cooks down. And so it has the consistency of onions, but it doesn't have the carbs. Uh, we're going to want one can, a small can of tomato paste. That's six ounces. Two and a half cups of chicken stock. Six cloves of garlic, crushed or minced. You want four tablespoons of sweet paprika. You want three tablespoons of onion powder. One tablespoon of black pepper tablespoon of lemon juice, a bay leaf, some sour cream, maybe a cup, maybe a half a cup of chopped flat parsley for garnish, and you want a little lemon zest too. So here's what you do. You start with the bacon in a pot or a Dutch oven or whatever over medium heat, and you just cook that until it's crispy and the fat is all rendered down. Then you're going to add the olive oil in there and throw the fennel in there, cook it until it's soft with the bacon and the bacon fat takes about eight minutes. Now you're going to add a lot of the other stuff, the chicken stock, tomato paste, garlic, paprika, onion powder, the bay leaf, and the lemon juice. And you're going to cover that and simmer it, stirring occasionally for 30 minutes. Now notice the beef isn't in here. 
If you're using stew beef, which is what a lot of people do, they put it in there immediately and then cook it down for a couple hours. But we're using ribeye. And if you cook overcook ribeye, it'll, it'll, it could dry out, right? So we're going to cook the ribeye separately. We're going to put the beef cubes into a bowl, medium bowl or large bowl or whatever it fits into, and sprinkle that with salt and pepper. Now you're going to brown this in a skillet over medium heat. If you want to put a little olive oil in there, that's fine, but it's going to render its own fat, so it's not a big deal. But you want to brown it on all sides, uh, about eight minutes. Now that your 30 minutes are up for simmering, you're going to add the beef to the goulash and add four tablespoons of butter. So you take the bay leaf out, chop up the parsley, and if you're doing bazoodles, you're going to melt some butter in a skillet over medium-low heat, add the bazoodles to the skillet, cook for three or four minutes until they're hot. But if you're not, you can just serve the goulash. But if you're using bazoodles, put the bazoodles in the bottom of a bowl, spoon the goulash over that, finish it with a dollop of sour cream, a little parsley, a little lemon zest, boom, you're done. And let me I made that tonight. Let me tell you, magic. What did you girls think? They didn't complain. They said it was good. So. Oh, well. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I'm excited to try it. It's been a long time since I've had some goulash. Yeah. Well, that's our show. So if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said here today, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. Make sure to use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.twoketo.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. If you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, Two Keto Dudes Gold. And we also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see our podcasts and other videos on YouTube, at youtube.2keto.com. Also, we have an Amazon affiliate store. Buy your favorite keto ingredients and devices by going to amazon.2keto.com and you can help us out at the same time. And if you haven't already, please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And listen up, kiddos. Keep calm, but keto on. Yep, keep calm and keto on, Carl. And we'll see you next time on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.